Okay, so what did we learn in our journey through the Old Testament? If you followed this podcast through all 77 episodes, you've had about 12 hours of listening to this simple cover-to-cover overview. That's a lot of time invested, so I'm hoping as your guide that you got something out of that. I'd like to check and see if you have by giving you a little pop quiz, as it were. I'm going to ask you to take out a clean sheet of paper. You don't have to write your name at the top. You won't be turning this in. I'm going to give you the quiz question. Then I'm going to encourage you to hit the pause button and fill in your answers. Here's the quiz question. On your paper, very briefly, what are the top 10 takeaways God would like you to take away from your journey through the Old Testament? Okay, hit the pause button, take as long as you'd like, and then pop back on, and we'll compare our top 10 answers. Welcome back. Here are the 10 things that I would want to take away from the Old Testament. Number one, God designed us on purpose in his image for a special relationship. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're given a family resemblance to our creator. And our primary purpose for being here is not to do stuff, but to be with God. We get the repeated statement throughout the Old Testament from God. I will be your God. You'll be my people and we will be together. You just got to remember that from your Old Testament tour. Number two, that relationship God intended got broken really badly. We saw that with our first ancestors, Adam and Eve. They doubted God, his goodness, and his word. And that's come down through the line to each of us. Throughout the Old Testament, the actions that break our relationship with God are dubbed sin, trespass, wickedness. Sin, to fall short, trespass, to leave God's established lanes for our lives, wickedness, to twist God's purposes for us. Designed to be image bearers, to have a striking resemblance to God, our holy God, we've broken God's law and pattern and God's heart. The Old Testament reminds us, don't minimize sin, don't rationalize it, God is holy, and sin is a turd in our holy God's punch bowl. Number three, lost people and lost nations left to themselves become loster. We saw that in the deteriorating cycle of the judges. We saw that in the increasing wickedness and disobedience of Israel's kings. We heard that from the prophet Haggai. Remember his example? Spirituality is not contagious, but sin and unspirituality is contagious. By the time we get to the last prophet Malachi, God is so beside himself at our lostness, he stops speaking. He goes silent, and he warns them that a curse will follow unless they wake up, realize how lost they are, and turn to him. Number four, the consequences of our sin is enormous. It's outlined with Adam and Eve. They hid. They felt guilt and shame. Their relationships with each other and with God became broken. Creation was damaged. Death came, both physical and spiritual. And worst of all, separation from God. Our sin also brings enormous suffering to the world, to one another, and to God. We saw death enter, shortened lives, famines, tyrant kings abusing people, and oh, the millions of innocent animals that were sacrificed. The blood of those animals, a band-aid to temporarily cover the gaping wound of people and nations for our sin. 
and we were pointed in the Old Testament to the future, where one called the suffering servant would suffer for the sins of those people. Number five, God, over and over, steps in to rescue and deliver his kids. Noah found favor in God's eyes, and God delivered he and his family through an ark. God delivered Isaac from sacrifice and provided a lamb in the thickets. God sent Joseph ahead to Egypt to provide survival to the children of Israel and a place for them to grow into a nation. In Egypt, God delivered that nation after ten contractions and birthed them supernaturally at the Red Sea. God delivered them through forty years in the wilderness, providing food, water, and his guiding presence in a cloud. God raised up deliverers during the period of the judges to push back their enemies. God delivered Daniel and Daniel's three friends from certain death in the lion's den and fiery furnace. God delivered all his people from Haman's final solution to exterminate all Jews in the Babylonian Empire. Over and over again, God steps in to save and deliver his people, and I would add, usually they didn't deserve it. Number six, God wants obedience from his kids. Let me change that. God expects obedience from his kids. Remember God's words through the prophet Samuel to King Saul. To obey is better than sacrifice. Did you catch that? Frenzied activity or passionate worship does not take the place of full obedience to God. And God told us what he expects in obedience. He gave ten laws and all the civil laws. I hope you'll remember the cheat code from these laws. The Ten Commandment cheat code is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. That part came from Leviticus. The cheat code for the civil laws we took from the prophet Micah. What does the Lord require of us? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. God brought consequences for disobedience. There's always consequences for ignoring or disobeying the family rules. God also brought prophets, waves of them, to warn urge and even appeal to his children to listen and to do. With some of those prophets, God got desperate with his message. Remember Hosea marrying the town prostitute? Or Zeke playing army men on his side? Or Jeremiah burying his underwear in Babylon? Number seven, God is not okay with this separation from his kids. We learn throughout the Old Testament how God tried to draw near to his sinful people. Remember the cloud in the wilderness. Or God's tent, the tabernacle, he had them design and build so that that could be in the center of their camp. Those offerings and sacrifices so that these sinful people might draw nearer to a holy God. And God through the prophets promised one day hearts would change, people would be holy, and God once again would be among his people. Which brings us to number eight. A special king is coming. It was hinted at in the blessing to Abraham. Through you, one day all nations will be blessed. Jacob's son Judah was told, a scepter will arise among your tribe. David was overwhelmed when God said, someone will come through your line who will sit on the throne forever. Daniel saw more about this king, this son of man king, and the glory and power of his kingdom. And Zechariah and other prophets 
talk about a time that sounds remarkably like the Garden of Eden and God being among his people. God being our God, we his people and dwelling together. That's my first eight. And if you say, that sounds surprisingly similar to your eight edge pieces back in episode 10, well, you're right. I'm guilty. I want you to take those eight edge pieces from our Old Testament survey. Made, strayed, lost, cost, save, behave, regain, reign. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back for a little deeper listen. But hey, I've got two more. So here's number nine. Guys and gals are gross, but God is gracious. I told you in episode one, the Bible is utterly unique in how it handles its characters. It paints them with warts and all. Now that you've gone through the Old Testament, can you come up with anybody you'd like to model your life after? They're very rare. Maybe Boaz and Ruth? Maybe Joseph later in life? Maybe King Josiah? Daniel, perhaps? Other than those rare blips on our radar, it's really kind of a hall of shame. Incorrigible kids. And that's just looking at their outside behavior. We heard God say in 1 Samuel, I don't look on the outside, I look on the heart. God through Jeremiah, the prophet, tells us what God sees. The human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Have you come to grasp in our study just how gross we can be? If you haven't followed our whole study, just open up your phone to this morning's news headlines. But God is gracious. Noah wasn't the only one who found grace in the eyes of the Lord in the Old Testament. I mean, just consider the patriarchs alone, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Judah. All of them had some serious issues. Or if you prefer, go to the other end of your Bible, to Hebrews chapter 11, God's Hall of Fame. Take a look at the people displayed in that hall. Oi, what a bunch of ragamuffins. And yet God chose them to bring his word, and ultimately to bring the stomper, his promised one. Or consider the forgiveness God granted to unforgivable people, like King Manasseh, the killer king of Jerusalem, or his grace and love for the utterly unfaithful nation of Israel. Do you remember our prophet Hosea? I frequently heard something like this come out of the mouth of people. The God of the Old Testament is stern and angry and vengeful. Oh my, I have a hard time not chuckling. Clearly, they've never read the Old Testament. And number 10. God keeps his promises, even to those who don't deserve it. Right up front he said, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and we will be together. Throughout the Old Testament, he kept pursuing that promise. And as we move to the New Testament, it continues to be his passion. To keep his promise, he has to deal with sin. Beyond that, he has to deal with hearts that are empowered by sin, and he has to heal a broken creation. So, how did our lists match up? I said there were no right answers. I hope we had some similar answers. And I hope you have some insightful answers you would have never had if we hadn't done this journey together. Maybe after our New Testament podcast, We'll circle back and let you try that one more time again. For the New Testament is a continuation of the old. It builds on the old. It fulfills and even upgrades the old. Those commandments God chiseled into stone, he now wants to place on soft, transformed hearts. 
that sin in us he covered with the blood of atoning sacrifices he wants to wash away with a once-for-all sacrifice. That reigning among us that was teased in the Old Testament, he wants to make a vivid reality. We'll begin exploring the last 27 pieces of God's jigsaw puzzle, the New Testament, in our next word picture.